Chapter 15 of Pollyanna's Jewels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pollyanna's Jewels by Harriet Lummis Smith. Jamie starts something. Jamie and Sadie came out to dinner the Saturday following Sadie's preliminary visit and Pollyanna took a great deal of pains to prepare the children's minds for the sight of Jamie on crutches. They had seen him a year and a half before, but Judy had, of course, no recollection of his visit, and even Junior's memory was hazy. Pollyanna, after awakening their interest in the boy in the wheeled chair, who had been on such friendly terms with the birds and squirrels, reached the main point of her narrative, that the aforesaid boy had been promoted from a wheeled chair to crutches. You see, Uncle Jamie writes books that people love to read, just as I used to love to listen to his stories when I was a little girl. But he can't walk and run as Daddy does. He doesn't have to ride around in a wheeled chair the way he did when I first knew him, but he has to use crutches. And when people are lame, we never notice the crutches, for fear of hurting their feelings, you know. Junior was very much interested. Once I saw a boy walking on crutches, and he was awful high, higher in daddy, higher in the church, I guess. I believe you're thinking of stilts, Junior, instead of crutches. Boys walk on stilts for fun, so that they will look very tall. And it doesn't matter if you do laugh, because they're trying to be funny. But if people use crutches, it's because they have to, and we never noticed them. She had a bad half minute the next day when Jamie and Sadie arrived. The two children stood peering from the window with a fixity of attention Pollyanna knew was not due to interest in either of her approaching guests. Their gaze was riveted on the polished crutches by whose aid Jamie was swinging himself up the steps. Pollyanna wondered if she had made a mistake in trying to prepare them for the unusual spectacle. Junior, she called warningly. Junior started and flushed. Then, realizing that he was not the only transgressor, he seized his sister's arm and pinched it violently. Judy shrieked. She was looking, mother, at the thing you said for us not to notice. Junior defended himself, and Pollyanna, hurrying to open the door, had only time to hiss a warning. Hush, children. Jimmy, who came home early on Saturday afternoons, rushed downstairs at the sound of voices in the hall, and there was much handshaking and kissing, while everybody talked at once. It was not until they were seated in the living room, Jamie's crutches leaning up against his chair, that Pollyanna discovered Junior staring at the chandelier. In his determination not to embarrass his mother's guest by noticing the badges of his disability, Junior had turned his gaze in the only direction he considered safe. Pollyanna was just concocting an errand to the kitchen, which should distract his thoughts from the delicate subject when Jimmy noticed his singular attitude. What are you looking at, old son? Nothing, said Junior patiently. 
Well, you're looking at it pretty hard, aren't you? Yes, Daddy. Jimmy, interposed Pollyanna hastily, I hear the baby. She had previously warned her husband that whenever Jamie was in the house, she should call on him to do rather more than his share of caring for the children in order to impress the prospective father with his forthcoming responsibilities. Her clean dress is hanging just beside the crib, she continued, and you'd better put on her little white shoes. Then, as Jimmy took himself off, smiling broadly at some joke apparent only to himself, Pollyanna turned to Junior. I think I hear Jiggs whining, dear. You may call him into the house, but wipe his feet carefully before you let him in on the rugs. Junior dropped his eyes from the ceiling, and his descending gaze caught some spectacle apparently as arresting as the head of Medusa. He sat looking quite as intently as he had at the chandelier, but now the blankness of his stare had been replaced by an expression of dull horror. Pollyanna's eyes followed his, and for an instant she shared his apprehension. Judy was hovering around the crutches, as if they had been lighted candles and she a little white moth. Her face shone with a charming mixture of mischief and daring. Her extended hand touched the polished wood, then stroked it caressingly. And when Jamie turned his head to see what was engrossing, Junior's attention, she looked straight into his eyes with a breathtaking smile. Pretty crutches, she said, her enunciation painfully distinct. Pollyanna had too often been given convincing proof of Jamie's unreasonable sensitiveness to feel at all sure how he would take this. But to her enormous relief, she perceived that Judy's winsomeness was more than a match for her lack of tact. Jamie picked her up and set her on his knee, while Judy, true daughter of Eve, extended all her wiles to make a conquest of this stranger. So you like the crutches, do you, said Jamie. And how do you like the fellow that uses them? Judy stroked his cheek with her plump little hand. You're my nice uncle Jamie, she cooed. Jamie was clearly enchanted. Pollyanna, he challenged his hostess. You don't pretend that this is your child. I'd like to see anyone else lay claim to her, bristled Judy's mother. The evidence is all against you. You were a darling little girl, a child angel. Jamie, Pollyanna protested indignantly, I was nothing of the sort. Well, anyway, you were a dear, as some of us will always remember. But there wasn't a bit of coquetry in your nature. And this little fairy is all coquette. Judy had listened raptly. Am I a fairy? She questioned with a coy upward glance. You have all the earmarks, it seems to me. Judy hastily felt of her little pink ears. Where are they, Uncle Jamie? Junior was looking disturbed. Judy can't be a fairy, he objected, because she's my little sister. Oh, well, you never can tell, teased Jamie. Sometimes the fairies steal a human baby and put a fairy baby in its place. It looks to me as if that very thing happened in this case. 
Jimmy arrived with the baby, and this put a stop to Jamie's romancing, rather to Pollyanna's relief. Judy was looking altogether too complacent over this fanciful explanation of her origin, while Junior's countenance betrayed the keenest anxiety. The baby, radiant and rosy after her nap, immaculate in a clean frock and with her best company smile, became the center of attention for the time being. And even Pollyanna could not guess that the incident was far from being closed. Inez Richards had favored the hunts with her company to luncheon, and finding the meal somewhat informal and scrappy for her taste, she inquired casually, Why don't you have nice things to eat like Junior and Judy do? You don't have to eat at our house if you don't like what we've got, Cornelia informed her witheringly. You asked yourself, added Arthur, backing up his sister. You can play with Junior Pendleton all the time if you want. We don't care, taunted Elizabeth. Inez would have felt herself a match for any of them singly, but even her stout courage quailed before a united family. I guess my mother'd rather I play with Junior, she informed her late hosts, because he's so much more politer. And with great dignity, she retired under fire, the five hunts joining in jeering cries. Inez's arrival at the Pendleton home proved the signal for breaking up the group in the living room. Pollyanna checked the newcomer as she was about to remove her coat and suggested that it would be better for Junior and Judy to accompany her to the backyard. Jimmy carried Jamie off upstairs, presumably for a confidential chat. Pollyanna and Sadie had entered on an interesting discussion regarding the wardrobe which a newcomer on this planet had a right to expect, when Pollyanna spied a familiar figure ascending the steps. Why, there's Inez's mother, she exclaimed, jumping to her feet. She's come to see what Inez is doing, I suppose. The supposition did little credit to Pollyanna's intelligence, as never, in the time she had had the pleasure of Mrs. Richard's acquaintance, had she known her to manifest the least interest in the occupation Inez found for her leisure time. And indeed, Mrs. Richards, when admitted, made no reference whatever to Inez, but catching sight of Sadie in the adjoining room, murmured irresolutely, I see you have company. I didn't know. Oh, come right in, urged Pollyanna hospitably. This is an old friend, and I'm glad to have you meet her. And then, As Sadie rose, the baby still in her arms, Pollyanna briefly performed the ceremony of introduction. Mrs. Carew, Mrs. Richards, this is one of my new neighbors, Sadie. Both women, murmuring the conventional expressions of pleasure, extended their hands, but as their fingers met, each started and stared. Their mechanical smiles disappeared wiped out by some strong emotions. Why, gasped Mrs. Richards, it's you. And Sadie, Pollyanna realized, was mumbling something equally incoherent. Why, do you really know each other? She cried, looking from Mrs. Richards' blank face to Sadie's flushed one. Why, isn't that nice? I didn't have the least idea. And then she stopped finding that she, too, was growing incoherent, 
under the disturbing impression that the previous acquaintance of her two friends had not been altogether agreeable. Sadie was the first to speak. Yes, I met Mrs. Richards yesterday, she said with a nervous smile. Aunt Ruth had some business at the novelty gift shop, and we stopped there on our way to the concert. I'm very sorry Mrs. Pendleton was annoyed, remarked Mrs. Richards coldly. Then she turned to Pollyanna with a start. Pendleton? I never thought that her name was the same as yours. Are you related? Oh, don't wait to have the family tangle straightened before you sit down, laughed Pollyanna, pulling forward a rocking chair. Mr. Pendleton is my husband's adopted father, and Mrs. Pendleton... She hesitated and looked at Sadie, who relieved her by going on with the story. Mrs. Pendleton is my husband's aunt, but he was left an orphan when he was very young, and she is all the mother he has ever known. I'm very sorry, Mrs. Richard said again, that Mrs. Pendleton was annoyed over that bill. She had seated herself by now, and as her body relaxed, her voice became less icy. It is so hard to keep accounts correctly, she sighed. The young woman you have with you, began Sadie hesitatingly. I don't know whether she's your clerk or your partner. Oh, my partner, Ruth Rossiter. She's a society girl, but she tired of all the inanities of the social world explained Mrs. Richards, and wanted to do something really worthwhile. She looks very young. I don't suppose she's had any business experience. No, no business experience. Neither have I, for that matter. I suppose mistakes are bound to happen under such circumstances. Guessing that the subject was a sore one, from the persistency with which Mrs. Richards returned to it, Pollyanna gave a humorous account of an experience with a collector who had presented a bill for over $45 for taxi hire. As long as neither Jimmy nor I ever thought of taking a taxi in those days, laughed Pollyanna, it was a little bit funny, though I got dreadfully excited about it. The collector was so persistent. And then she changed the subject by asking Mrs. Richards what the dentist said about that tooth that had been giving Inez so much trouble. But it appeared that this was the first Mrs. Richards had heard of the troublesome tooth, so the dentist had not been given a chance to express an opinion. In the course of half an hour, Mrs. Richards' demeanor had thawed perceptibly, and Pollyanna was beginning to hope that the agreeable ending to the call might atone for the rather unpleasant introduction when Junior appeared with a grievance. Mother, Inez wants to boss everything. She... Hush, Junior. Can't you see that Mother has a caller? Come and speak to Mrs. Richards. With an expression befitting a victim of the Inquisition approaching the torture chamber, Junior advanced to Mrs. Richards and offered his hand. The social amenities disposed of, he returned to his lament. Mother, if we don't let Inez have her way about everything, she starts calling names. Junior, if you and Judy cannot play happily out of doors, come into the house and play in the nursery. It's time for Inez to go home, said Mrs. Richards. 
Please tell her, Junior, that her mother is here and waiting for her. Pollyanna congratulated herself when she said goodbye to Sadie, without again referring to the unfortunate misunderstanding at the gift shop. Sadie appeared to find Mrs. Richards' departure a relief. Your friend seems to hold me responsible for what happened yesterday, and I was only the innocent bystander. I didn't have a thing to do with it except to be present, and I wished myself a hundred miles away. Was it as bad as all that? Well, Aunt Ruth was vexed. You see, when the shop started, they invited her to open an account there. One of her friends interested her in the undertaking, and she bought quite a little at the gift shop. And she says that every month the bill has been wrong, and that this month's bill has all the items she had refused to pay because they didn't belong to her. So she went in and uttered some home truths, which Mrs. Richards and her partner didn't enjoy a bit better than I did, to judge from their expressions. Mrs. Richards told me that their bookkeeping bothered them awfully, said Pollyanna, her voice betraying sympathy. I'm sure it was just a mistake. Why, of course. You see, Pollyanna, some of the rich girls who are rushing into business nowadays have never really distinguished a nickel in a five-dollar bill. I mean, they'd spend one with as little thought as they'd spend the other. It's pretty hard for people of that sort to run anything on a business basis and keep track of every penny. I think Mrs. Rossiter thought it rather beneath Aunt Ruth's dignity to make a fuss over a mere trifle of thirty dollars. I prophesy that venture will come to grief before many moons. I'd hate to say that I'd be glad if it did, commented Pollyanna after a moment, because it would be a terrible disappointment to Mrs. Richards. But... When I think how much that poor child needs her mother, and how much that poor mother needs her child, I... Well, if they get what they both need, why shouldn't I be glad about it? End of chapter 15